Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Amy Kluber. Data and privacy. Often these two concepts go hand in hand. People worry about giving up too much of their own data, or maybe your consent leads to things like more tailored advertisements. This concept is not new. We've all Googled a random thing one day and then kept seeing those ads across all internet browsers and social media platforms for days after. As technology advances and data becomes ever more present and critical to decision-making across all sectors, ethics and privacy naturally become part of the conversation. How can organizations maintain privacy of all the data that is collected and used while also using it to do public good? Think now during this pandemic when data is so impactful toward things like vaccine research, clinical trials, contact tracing. Axiom is a leader in this space, and it's advocating for the ethical use of data for government. It wants to take its success from the commercial sector in order to further government efforts like those I've just mentioned. In this episode, you'll learn where government fits into this conversation, and also how government can take best practices from commercial marketing to better serve the public responsibly and ethically. Joining me is Asya Smith, Vice President of Government and Public Sector at Axiom, who told me English was actually her third language, and someone with quite a legal background, Chief Data Ethics Officer of Axiom, Jordan Abbott. He really gets into the legal talk here, while Asya explains how data capabilities can help government solve its challenges. This episode is sponsored by Axiom. Asya and Jordan, thanks so much for joining us on GovCast. I'm really looking forward to learning more about, you know, something we hear about in government all the time now around data. So thanks for joining me. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Could each of you start by just explaining what you do at Axiom and what Axiom really does? Absolutely. Thank you, Amy. I came to Axiom about a year and a half ago, having spent over 20 years in mostly supporting the government contractors as well as some commercial organizations. I lead the Axiom government and public sector group. And as a whole, Axiom is one of the largest customer intelligence companies in the United States. And we provide data-driven solutions, mostly to commercial businesses, but also to the government. With the idea of providing the best possible customer experience for the brands and for the people using the brands or for the government and the citizens. I have been in the D.C. area for 25 years. Axiom is headquartered in Arkansas, but I'm in D.C. Uh, and I live in Maryland, right outside of D.C. Well, thank you for having me here today, Amy. I'm Jordan Abbott. I'm the Chief Privacy and Data Ethics Officer at Axiom. I've been on the uh, privacy team here at Axiom for about 20 years. I've uh, been practicing law for about 30 and practicing uh, privacy law before it actually had a name. Asya mentioned that Axiom is a customer intelligence company, but I thought it might be helpful to spend a second, you know, what does that mean? Well, I think Axiom does two things. The first thing we do, and it represents about uh, 100 million of our 800 million in revenues, is we aggregate and license data to our clients. They use that data for advertising purposes, to help understand their clients and customers better, keep the ones they have, find new prospects, and bring those into their business. The second thing, the larger part of our business at Axiom is our data processing business, where we build and host databases and environments for our clients. We uh, do 
uh, data hygiene, data matching, making sure that the data is accurate, complete, and up to date, and you know, enhancing that data with our data, sometimes our demographic data, or with other data that the client licenses from other third parties. And we, as Asia said, makes that data actionable to help our clients make better informed decisions. In terms about me, I, before I became the Chief Privacy Officer at Axiom, I spent several years at the Arkansas Attorney General's Office. That's where I started my career in 1991. And uh, it was a great time doing consumer protection work. And actually, I was proud to say that I had a, uh, an award named after me for my service to the citizens of Arkansas. And I, you know, obviously, I live in uh, Little Rock. Our headquarters is just northwest of here a bit. Well, that's certainly something everyone can aspire to, to have an award named after them. That's amazing. (laughs) Can't say the same for myself. Yeah, it it really was quite an honor and a surprise, but I was doing it. I loved what I did when I was at the AG's office. That's great. And you still do. And you bring that passion for privacy and ethics to Axiom and to everything we do. And Amy, we have been doing data, you know, large, big data aggregation for 51 years, I think. 51 now, Jordan? Yeah, we were started in 1969 out of the back of a, a school bus company and are now an international company. We were acquired two years ago by the interpublic group of companies, IPG, in October 2018. They are a large advertising agency holding company. And we are a central point or a a central piece of their transformation going forward to ensure that data and technology stay relevant and are at the forefront of their advertising efforts. So our data fuels the advertising and the marketing and the outreach campaigns. While they have a number of agencies that are exceptionally strong in communications and creative and all types of marketing and PR. So the combination is extremely strong. You want to reach people where they are through the channels. They like to interact and receive messages. And that's where we come into play. It sounds like, I mean, back in, you talked about Axiom's founding in the 60s, you know, data has been ever present. Even before technology, as we know it exists today with, you know, instant access to anything really in a split second. So it's kind of impressive when you think about how data, you know, the various aspects of life on what data touches. And especially in government right now, you know, we keep hearing data is gold. So considering Axiom's history and some of the things that are going on right now with modernization, you know, where does data use for people-based marketing fit into the overall public good? Well, Amy, you, you know, data is gold. Data is gold in the government. Data is gold in the commercial environment. You need to know your customers, you need to know your citizens, you need to know your constituents so that you can deliver the service they want, so that you can improve their journey through the journey map and the interaction with whether it's a brand that you're marketing for or it's a government agency. At the end of the day, people really want the same thing. They want to get a value out of the interaction with whoever they're interacting with. And then they want value out of the data that these organizations have created. People want the government to understand their needs and to provide them with the services they need at the time they need it. People don't like to receive communications that are not relevant to them now or ever. And they prefer generally to get appropriate and relevant information. Asia, you raised an interesting and valid point that people 
don't want to receive information that is not relevant to them or be bothered by communications that are not relevant to us. And so when I talk about what Axiom does, sometimes I get the comment, oh, so you're the reason I get 50 pieces of junk mail every day or 100 pieces of spam in my email box. And my response is, no, we're the reason you get far fewer than you otherwise would if we didn't exist. We help our clients whittle down and focus on the interests and the needs of their intended audience. And importantly, and I think this is important for government agencies, is increasing efficiency and reducing waste. We do not want to send the same communication to the same person multiple times or even the same household multiple times. We want to be able to reduce, you know, deduplicate, net down those communications and only send the relevant information, you know, necessary. So I think I say you make a good point about focusing on the communications and increasing the experience. Jordan, your point on, on avoiding waste is key in any environment, right? You know, identity resolution is huge, making sure that the 15 different representations of me are me and be able to dedupe my records is going to help for me to get a single mailing as opposed to multiple or a single ad instead of multiple coming at me, assuming that I'm 15 different people, because with a name like Asya Smith, you can assume that, you know, there's many, many misspellings of that, just of the Asya part alone. That's a great point. So thinking about the purpose here with, you mentioned reducing fraud and waste and getting information to the right people who need it. What are some ways Axiom is working with government right now on data efforts? There is a contract we currently have where we're supporting the Department of Veterans Affairs. We've been doing work with them for some time now. We get the list of veterans once a year, the veterans that make the U.S. Vets data set. Veterans Affairs has an immense amount of accurate, up-to-date information on the veterans that are working with the Veterans Affairs, that are using their services. That's less than half of the veterans. The other veterans have left the military and haven't engaged with the VA because they're not currently using any of the services. So the VA has the US VETS data set that then they use for analytics purposes and for planning services and the like. We augment that data we validate addresses, we provide additional demographics information, we provide some historical information, and that enables the VA to continuously improve the use of data in decision-making. The VA is leading in terms of having the ability to have great journey maps and to track the veteran's experience. But at the end, you know, underneath good veteran's experience and underneath building a good journey map is the data and knowing the veteran. And that's where we hope we have a small part in making that happen. In addition, around COVID-19, there have been a number of engagements and efforts that we've participated in. In March, the Ad Council started a uh, public service announcements campaign. They worked with the White House, the Department of Health and Human Services, the Centers for Disease Control Prevention, and a number of leading technology companies and advertisers. We provide it and continue providing to these days the audiences. So the creative keeps changing, the messaging evolves, but you still need to make sure that you know people get the message that's most relevant for them. Early on in the pandemic, for example, we were looking at the people that were 65 and older received a PSA that talked about staying safe 
Well, the millennials received a message about staying at home and, and basically keeping everybody else safe, right? The messaging is different, but it's all to combat the pandemic. And this has been a huge success for the Ad Council. It had significant reach. Up until pretty recently, I looked at accounts and the PSAs have been reviewed over 33 billion times. And at the end of each of those public service announcements or messages on websites or social media, there was a link, there is a link to the CDC coronavirus.gov website. And they, to date, had had about 29 to 30 million direct clicks to the CDC's website. And that's really helpful, right? People are getting to the source and getting the correct information. In addition to, you know, having the honor of continuously working with the Ad Council in support of this key campaign, we also worked with the Department of Defense Joint Artificial Intelligence Center on Project SALIS. We partnered with other technology companies to try to build some predictive analytic models around the supply chain impact by the COVID-19 pandemic. We provided some of that demographics data that gives you the demand side, while many other data sources were used for the supply. And the goal of Project SALIS was through using, in our case, it was anonymized aggregated demographics data. But using that along with all the supply and figuring out, depending on how the spread goes, where might there be issues in the supply chain and where food, equipment, personnel may need to be sent and where might they be most needed. We also had a really interesting pilot with Operation Warp Speed with their operations team. We looked with them at how can we figure out the best way of distributing the COVID-19 vaccines once they become available. And then how can we help both Operation Warp Speed, working with Health and Human Services and Center for Disease Control, but also the states, to figure out where these pockets of first responders are, to figure out where the people with most prevalent health conditions are, to figure out where the influencers are. And then from there, potentially take it into a communications campaign where we can reach those influencers with the right message, right? Healthcare providers have a set of concerns that might be different from the concerns that teachers have. So it's the combination of demographics, propensities for some of the health conditions, occupation data, where, you know, the population density, plus potentially the travel. Where are people traveling in aggregate? Again, this is all aggregate data, but it really is helpful from a decision-making standpoint. And I'll just add or underscore what Asia said about aggregated data. You know, obviously it's very important. People are concerned about the uh, use of information about them in ways that harm their privacy. And, you know, using aggregated data ensures that individual consumers and their privacy is protected. And we're always looking at ways to minimize the data that we collect and use limited to only the amount of data necessary to achieve the business or governmental purpose. Jordan, thank you for that. For both Project Salas and OWS, we only provided aggregated counts. And in most cases, when we activate a campaign, our customer doesn't see the raw data. They just know that we've activated and then they see if somebody ends up subscribing for a product or a service, they can see they came through our campaign, but they don't know who we went to. But interestingly enough, privacy has always been, you know, a topic of heavy discussion, which is why I'm so honored to have Jordan with us today, because nobody knows privacy or cares about privacy more than Jordan. And I can tell you, Amy, that the PIAs we have to go through for every use case, they're extremely in-depth. 
But interestingly enough, with the pandemic, people's attitudes, general attitudes towards data have changed. A few months ago, Axiom conducted a survey of about 10,000 people in the U.S. And about three quarters stated that they agree that data greatly benefits people as long as it's managed correctly and properly. Most of the same three quarters of the people approve the use of data to help identify at-risk populations. And over half of the participants said they would personally, willingly share their own health information to stop this pandemic or prevent future ones. So people's views on data and the benefit of using data for the public good has profoundly shifted. Everybody sees that data exists. There's huge amounts of data, but managing that data and making decisions based on aggregating that data and analyzing it is really the key of of any decision making. Going back to an earlier point, you know, I'm glad you guys addressed the elephant in the room uh, around privacy concerns. A lot of people have this weird notion, or maybe not weird, but, you know, this idea that Big Brother is always looking for you and, you know, whatever. But the idea of this kind of twofold situation with data, it's not just about collecting it. It's also using it to benefit the public, you know, vaccine trials. Remember the census? It felt like a lifetime ago, but, you know, trying to target, you know, who didn't fill out the census. Let's go, you know, implement strategies and targeting, you know, more communication around, you know, those communities or whatever. So it is interesting when you think about, you know, it's not like we're trying to spy on people or use your information against you. It's more so how can you enable data so that you're doing all these great things. It's a very interesting conversation. So along that note, you know, are there any myths to data collection that you are able to dispel or that Axiom is actively addressing? (laughs) Well, there are a number of myths, but uh, just a couple that come immediately to mind. The first myth that I frequently encounter is that all data compilers, you know, sometimes pejoratively referred to as data brokers are all the same, that we're out there collecting data from anywhere and everywhere without consumers' knowledge or consent. And to be sure, there are companies out there that are engaged in bad behavior, but companies like Axiom expend significant staff and resources to ensure that we're doing the right thing. And I think it's important here, Amy, to stress back to your point about the use of data by government agencies, is just because something is legal and just because you can doesn't mean you should. And we have at Axiom have long had an ethical data use framework throughout the data management lifecycle from collection of data to use. And Asia referenced the crown jewel of our privacy program, which is our privacy impact assessments. And the federal government has been doing privacy impact assessments for a very long time. And Axiom ourselves has been doing them for you know, almost 10 years now, long before they were required in Europe. But you know, it's a myth to think that um, all data compilers are the same. We try to distance ourselves and actually expose those that are engaged in bad conduct. The second myth that I often hear is that we're a shadowy industry, that we're largely unregulated. You know, I have to say, I don't believe that's true. Certainly not after the California Consumer Privacy Act went into effect. And oh, by the way, CCPA 2.0 was passed by the 
California voters on uh, November 3rd. So the California Privacy Rights Act will amend the CCPA, but also state data broker registry laws like those in Vermont and uh, California clearly regulate our industry. But I've always believed that we are subject to a veritable alphabet soup of uh, laws and regulation. I mentioned that I've been doing privacy law for about 30 years. I think Axiom is subject to, you know, the FCRA, Fair Credit Reporting Act, Graham Leach Bliley, GLB, DPPA, Driver's Privacy Protection Act, HIPAA, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Just, I mean, almost any law that deals with consumer protection, companies like Axiom are regulated by. So those are a couple of myths that I deal with. But I really believe that if you implement an ethical data use framework, and I would urge our listeners today to consider incorporating an ethical data use analysis into their privacy impact assessments to ensure that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And if I may add to what Jordan was saying, we are a big data provider. We're also a big data aggregator. We're able to work with tons of data, petabytes of data. And we're really, really good at it because we've been doing it for 50 years. And because we've been doing it for so long, we've led the industry with a number of innovations in terms of privacy. So we had the patented linking technology in 2000, 2001. We had the first consumer access portal in 2007. And we were the first to have a chief privacy officer at the role that Georgian is currently serving in. So we are taking, you know, commercial world is taking privacy extremely seriously. And so does government. So there is a lot of parallels between what we do and what the government is doing. When commercial meets government, you haven't heard that before. (laughs) No, that's great. I know government's always gleaning from the commercial industry. So as far as privacy goes, you know, commercial industry has been dealing with that, you know, how long now? We have terms of service and everything. So that's uh, interesting to note. At the end of the day, Amy, if we were to take anything out of the podcast, what we believe in is data for good, using data for good, whether it's our data, the data that we've aggregated, what is the customer's data, just being able to use the data appropriately, ethically and compliant for the good of society. There's huge, huge needs when you're looking, what are you looking at healthcare? What are you government or private healthcare? What are you looking at recalls, reaching the right people? What are you looking at just communications of benefits? It's using the data we have for good within the parameters of what we can and should be doing. And Jordan, earlier you mentioned Axiom's ethical framework, which I wanted to ask about a little bit more. Could you explain how that framework is helping set the stage for data ethics moving forward? Sure. Well, data ethics is about doing the right thing, even when it's hard. And I think our values are often reflected in our choices, the choices we make. Sometimes we often make choices based on how, you know, the cost, the speed. But when we make decisions or choices based on that, we're often sacrificing trust. And it's important to always build trust in our relationships. Trust removes friction from the relationship. Our data ethics program, as I've referenced earlier, is incorporated throughout the data management lifecycle from collection of the data. And we get data from various sources like public records, publicly available information consumer self-reported information, 
also to other data compilers like Axiom. And we credential those data suppliers to understand the transparency and notice that was given to the individual, to the constituent, to the consumer. You know, what was he told about what data was being collected, for what purpose, and with whom it was going to be shared, and how long would it be retained? We want to understand that. We want to understand the choices the individual has regarding limiting further use of that data. And then, not only do we do credentialing and an assessment on the front end, but we also do the data protection impact assessment, privacy impact assessment regarding our use and our client's use to ensure that our use and our client's use is not only legal, just, but also fair. Going back to the uh, refrain that I had earlier, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. We want to keep the individual and the consumer at the center of our analysis and our assessment to saying, have we identified all the potential risks to the consumer? What can we do to eliminate those risks? And for those risks that we cannot completely eliminate, what can we do to mitigate them as much as we can? And who's going to be responsible for ensuring that those risks have been eliminated or mitigated? It's all about demonstrable accountability, being able to say what you do and do what you say and prove what you say. So that is that's how we handle our data ethics program. That makes sense. So moving forward, and as far as uh, considering next steps, what are some things that can help this area as far as, you know, what Axiom is looking at next? Is there anything that's coming down the pipeline that you are anticipating will have great impacts in this area? Yeah, I'll take a shot at that as to what uh, our crystal ball is seeing at the moment. <laughs> Although, as Yogi Berra once said, uh, predictions are hard, especially about the future. I actually did get one prediction right this election season. I did predict that the uh, California Privacy Rights Act would pass, and it did by well over 55% of the vote. You know, I now the next question is well, do I foresee a, a national privacy law? And right now, given the What's happening in the elections as we're recording this podcast is still uncertain. But I think, you know, we are advocating and Axiom is advocating for a national privacy law. I was fortunate to have a op-ed published in the New York Times late last year advocating for one. Axiom has advocated for one since about 2004, and we have been apart from our others in our industry in that regard. But I think it would benefit government and consumers in many important ways. It would benefit consumers by providing a meaningful rights, such as access, correction, deletion, opt-out from further sale or use. It would be uniform, not just you know certain citizens in a state get a protections that don't exist in another state. And I think it would provide businesses with uh, predictability and preserve innovation and competition. And finally, I think it would help government by helping them focus on the bad actors and allowing them to use legislation to root out bad acts while encouraging the use of data for good. Especially seeing things like GDPR in Europe and how that's been played out. I'm actually kind of surprised we don't have a national privacy law yet. <laughs> well, I am too. I'm obviously disappointed. I still think now we're probably at least a year, if not two years away. I think Congress and state legislatures 
would be focused on the pandemic response, and I think that's rightly so. But it would really be beneficial to move away from a sectoral approach to privacy, focusing on the type of data like financial data or protected health information or, you know, like educational records regulated by FERPA rather than um, and move to a national privacy law. I think that would benefit the U.S. greatly, especially when viewed in comparison to other countries and their privacy framework like the General Data Protection Regulation. So to sum this all up, obviously we and you have shared so many benefits to, you know, how data can be used in the public good. You've addressed some, you know, myths about data collection. And you've also clarified that no one's out to get you. This is about, you know, communicating. Well, it really is about communication, actually, you know, communicating the importance of having a cohesive approach to data collection. And then, of course, using that data for great things like, you know, this pandemic that we're in. So I guess to close, what would you leave listeners with as far as how Axiom is looking to advocate for this area in best practices for communicating or using outreach, et cetera? So Jordan, if I may start, and I would love to hear your feedback after that as well. So there's a few things that I think our listeners in the government could benefit from the experience of the private industry. One of them is around data strategy. There is a number of new laws and regulations that recognize the need for data to be recognized as a strategic asset and for putting a chief data officer in place and an office surrounding him to actually be able to catalog the data they have, aggregate it, make it actionable. And to stay in business, commercial industries have had to do this for a while. I'm not saying government hasn't, but the mandate to have a chief data officer is somewhat new. And in commercial, it's been there for a while. The federal data strategy really focuses on ethical governance, conscious design, and then creating a learning culture through the use of data. We talked about ethics a lot. We talked about the learning culture and the use of data. And and that's what we've been doing at Axiom for a number of commercial entities. Nine out of the top 10 banks in America are customers, a number of the retail stores, a number of the travel companies. And in many cases, we start with a simple data strategy analysis engagement where we look at the data they have and we help them figure out what they want to do next, where they want to go next. How are they best going to use their data? So we've been, you know, for some of our clients and for some not clients, not yet clients, we've just done those engagements where we would help them review what they have and help put that strategy together. So that with that strategy can be more efficient, more flexible, more cost effective and have an impactful way of communicating with whether it's their customers or their constituents, communicate with people, right? Which at the end of the day is all of us. Yeah. And I would just add to everything Asia just said by saying we should try to automate as much as we can this ethical data use approach embedding that into the code that is used to process the data to enforce it automatically and reduce the risk of a mistake or human failure. Again, it's important to have demonstrable accountability and having those codes in place, much like firewall rules for data security, will help ensure that the data is used at all times in a fair, legal, and just manner. 
And, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's communication, whether it's analytics and deciding where and how benefits will be offered, needs to be powered through very rigorous data and analytics on top of that data. We need to harmonize the data across multiple sources using machine learning and AI. And and machine learning and AI are really hot topics in the government right now. What's extremely important for all of these is for a good AI system, you need good data to start with and to continue feeding it. It's not going to learn anything if what it starts with is not useful, right? To get that comprehensive view of the landscape and identify where the opportunities and risks are for success or failure of services and offerings, you need to do all that. You need to look at the data. You need to look at the audiences. You need to look at who are you communicating with. You need to look at how to get to them. What are the channels? We call it an omni-channel experience. So it's going to people across channels where they like to be, the, whether it's social media or print or websites, or mobile devices and apps on mobile devices, and tailor the content to the audience, to the channel, right? So I think in order to get to that customer experience that everybody's striving for, including the government, you need to figure out who the people are and get them the right message at the right time. And always do that feedback loop and the analytics to make sure that you're continuously improving. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Asia and Jordan. This has been a fantastic look into data and some of the concerns that are out there, of course. But really, what it comes down to is data is not going anywhere. (laughs) I mean, data is always going to have importance, especially as technology, you know, ramps up and just grows exponentially. and, And let's use it for good. Right, exactly. Even more so today. Yes. Yes, for sure. And and there's lots to unpack here. And I'm glad to have learned more about how Axiom is tackling some of the issues here and really just doing good for the public. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for the time today. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed it. I hope you come away from this episode with a bit more understanding on how data can drive government to better serve its citizens. We learned there are still a ways to go as far as privacy regulation goes, but there's hope. Thanks again to our sponsor, Axiom. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to our website. And please, if you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes. We continue to strive to help you connect with federal IT's top decision makers. Thanks for listening.